0: welcome to the d2c podcast brought to you by m3 digital welcome back to episode seven of the d2c e-commerce podcast i'm sitting with jack as usual how are you mate yeah good mate good good to be back good to be back we've we've upgraded the the equipment
1: yeah i wonder if we're sounding a little bit crispier today yeah i feel like we might be Yeah, yeah yeah no headphones on so it's actually hard to say how we sound <laughs> it's hard to say but you know let's hope that when we do look and listen back to this that we're sounding a bit crispier yeah uh, yeah. yeah it feels right it feels good it does it feel good, good. I mean, good I mean, yeah. we've got these mics as well so not yeah. that anyone on the podcast can actually see the mics but yeah we can we upgraded yeah yeah, cool mate we've got some some pretty solid topics to go mm-hmm. through mm-hmm.
0: um Let's start with one which we talk about a lot all the time in the way that we approach our marketing for e-com brands. So that's triggering an emotion through direct response strategies. Mm -hmm. So we know how important this is in the e-com game.
1: Love to hear, first off, love to hear your thoughts on how important you think that is. Oh, it's, it's the most important thing when running ads um particularly through facebook and through instagram tiktok anything that's um creative focused the response is like that that's the number one objective right when, when we're trying to put together an ad or a strategy then we're thinking about what firstly what is the emotion we need to trigger and then how do we actually get that across in an ad and a piece of creative um so that you know, there's heaps of ways to do that um and sometimes they're not sort of like the traditional um, idea that a brand might have in their mind. Like they want to tell their brand story and stuff like that. But really what mm-hmm. it's about is what about your product is emotionally going to trigger someone to buy it. Yeah. And yeah. How you get that across in a piece of creative. Um,
0: yeah. 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 I think as well, saturated market, yep. we're consuming thousands of ads yep. every single day. If you're not going to trigger an emotion you're not going to be memorable and you're not going to stand out right? that's it that's it. so important mm-hmm. you you know what i mean i think that ties in a lot to so what we've talked about is the whole branded approach and being quite soft in mm. the approach um and i think you can still be really really true and clinical to your brand mm. triggering an emotion can simply be a smart piece of copy that mm. stands out that can trigger an emotion that can generate that impact, right? Yeah. Doesn't mean you have to do something real left field that's memorable. No. Trigger some sort of happiness response, sadness response, any type of feeling, and you're going to cut through and you're going to get more impact, and you're going to be more memorable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel I feel like also, you know some brands may already be sort of thinking along these lines anyway, right, with the creative and you know, yeah, we got to trigger a response or an emotion when putting together an ad. Um, but I think there's there's also different stages to that emotion when putting together an ad. So like the first the first piece of emotion that we're trying to cause is a scroll-stopping piece of emotion. So that might be um, something that looks a bit different, something's a bit colourful, or something you know something that stands out to someone that they stop scrolling. And then after that, there's sort of like the second stage of emotion which gets someone into the ad. So something that gets them past those first three seconds, really engaged. So like those first three seconds might be um, something that um, I don't know something that they re- actually resonate with as a person um whether it's someone in the demographic or something like that sort the product there and then once they're in it's that intrigue does that problem solve does that solve a problem for me that product then there's another stage of emotion and then causes it to click through to the to the actual website or to to whatever it is um you know and there's a, there's a bit of a journey of emotions you know and yeah. when we put together an ad we're thinking about how each stage of that person's journey is going to end in them actually getting to the site and purchasing the product
0: yeah, yeah, There's and there's probably two different, depending on the type of creative you use, there's probably two different approaches to that, right? Yeah. So what you mentioned is definitely the approach that you would use to a scroll-stopping video mm. and kind of initially triggering, triggering that emotion to get them in for, th- for the first three seconds yeah. and then going through the other stages to get them through to the site. Mm. And I think that's definitely the approach that, that is best for video. Mm. And then I think for static, mm. you definitely want to probably, if you can, and this is definitely tricky, if you can pose the problem and the solution within one consumable static, mm. you'll see significantly better performance from that static yeah. than you would a very vague static that doesn't really give any context to why it's important okay. and why that customer needs it. And I think that also ties into why people say uh, the video is significantly better or the video works significantly better and i think that's probably more so because the lens and the approach that people are applying to static is probably wrong
1: mm-hmm. yeah i mean video is significantly easier to get through those emotions right like you can you can literally take someone on the journey from that first scroll stopping moment first clicking through to the site whereas at static you have that moment and that's it. You have that static image, and you have to get everything across there. I and mean, you do have your hooks, and like, you know, we might use a review, say, in the first line of the copy, yeah. which is also plays into what's in the actual static itself. Um, so there's little tactics like that that you can use um, through, through copywriting. Yeah, definitely. Um, But if you can get that combination right in the static, they do work, but it's just it's a little bit harder. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's also ties into the fact of, do not underestimate the power of clean, simple, impactful yeah. copy. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: Right? 100%. You could run very, very, very simple creative with great copy mm-hmm. that pose a solution and, uh, sorry, pose the problem and how the product solved the problem mm-hmm. and actually get a really, really good result with something yeah. simple that might be five or six words.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah. And we still regularly see that work. There's still... Plenty of client accounts that are full of statics that when you yeah. get that particular, I guess, equation correct, yeah, it works.
0: 100%. Mm. Cool. And now we've got Edie on the podcast too.
1: Yeah, yep. there's a bit of a bark in the background. Beautiful,
0: beautiful. Oh. <laughs> Intruders, eh?
1: Yeah. And safe.
0: So next up, we've got um, Google Ads. And uh, we actually haven't covered a lot of
1: Google Ads on the last six episodes, have we? Not, not a huge amount. Not, not a specifically. Huge amount. No, I think um, obviously it's a huge part of every single one of our clients' strategy. Of course. You know, so it's, you know, there's there's several things that uh, just you know, bread and butter of a, of a marketing marketing strategy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess one thing that we did want to talk about today was really around Google improving their uh, learning process, their AI, and particularly behind sort of broad match keywords. And some of the stuff that we're seeing work real well on that side that previously had been you know a strategy that we wouldn't have led with. You know, we, we would have probably gone down the route of manual CPC, bidding on actual keywords, checking out volumes, making sure that we're capping in the correct ways totally. so that we don't overspend and that there's lots not so much crossover by using the right matching, right? Um, whereas um, you know, between both of us on in accounts we're seeing target CPAs, it's like to a max maximized conversion campaign with a target CPA set. Um, alongside a broad match keyword seems to work pretty well at the moment like Google's able to match with those particular searches search terms to the keyword fairly accurately mm-hmm. I mean we're still obviously checking negative keywords but if you were to jump on that less with a broad um, broad keyword at the moment um, you know search terms are way more relevant than they ever have been so it's just something I think across the board yeah that we've seen huge improvements with
0: yeah Google have stepped it up yeah big time mm. on that haven't they mm-hmm. w- broad would be like an, an, an out of the equation yeah. two years ago yeah without rigorous search term monitoring and yeah. negative keywords that's it yeah now it's incredible they've really improved it and mm. now running ta- target cpa for your product so set cost per acquisition with a broad term for example tanning it's picking up really, really relevant terms and it's working really, really well and it's
1: actually converting on keywords that you probably wouldn't have put in your in your targeting list. That's it, that's it. Yeah, sort of like expanding it, isn't it? Expanding what you can use within a campaign and then obviously using that to work on building out the campaign as well. You know, there's certain variations of longer tail keywords that we're able to bid on because of that.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So the strategy behind that Typically, we'd run a single keyword ad group, or so SCAG campaign, single keyword ad group. We'd then run, for example, motorcycle jackets as the broad keyword, mm-hmm. customize the specific ad very much so towards motorcycle jackets and the uniqueness that the brand has, and then also pinning that key term to the top as well, which mm. is a really, really good, good play, mm-hmm. um, and then setting your ideal CPA for selling a single unit or selling a jacket. And then essentially letting Google's AI to figure out where best to place that ad to generate a sale. And we've also noticed, even if you put a really high target CPA, your ad is not often top of page. Mm. And I've seen that across multiple brands. So Google's being very, very strategic in where they place those bids Mm. to try and meet your target CPA. Rather than just spending all your money and putting you at top of page and spending out your daily budget getting an average result mm, so mm. there's some big big algorithm work they've put into that because that is that's super exciting because obviously an issue with Google a, a lot is is volume mm. getting the volume how do we get more volume out of Google Google converts really well hundred percent but it's tough to get more
1: volume yeah particularly targeted volume yeah yeah yeah. so yeah yeah that's very true I think um, you know we, we've also gone down that route of manual CBC in the past because we don't trust especially when you're bidding on a high volume keyword that Google's not going to take your budget and spend it with very Mm -hmm. little results so you know it's always been a case of uh, like quite a lot a number of our clients do you do have products that are fairly competitive and you know Mm -hmm. use well or sorry highly searched keywords so Mm -hmm. controlling that spend has been like a big big part of the strategy to make sure that we're always you know maintaining good ROAS and yeah Yeah. in-account metrics so um for them to introduce and to be working on, on this uh, sort of new model, I guess. Um, well, it's not a new model, but like improving this particular strategy yeah. um, has really helped us or is, is already helping us scale. Some keywords are, in the past would have taken a little bit longer, a little bit more calculation yeah. to actually get to the point where, say, like we had a couple of new clients that have come on recently and we've been able to get them there a lot quicker. Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, so that's a super exciting. Yeah, um, yeah not really a new feature it's from not Google. Feature, it's not. No. It's not a new feature, but it's a nicely tweaked feature. Yeah, and they're pushing it a lot as well. When your campaign set up, you can see that they're trying to push you to go for broad as a recommended targeting option. And I think they've done that even in the past. Yep. Uh, but I think they're yeah, they're definitely they've worked a lot on that. I think behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's epic. So yeah, big big part of overall strategy at the moment. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Cool, and then the last topic we've got is integrating your Clavio with Facebook and bringing across your audiences in different ways Big Black Friday, sub Monday play, but big Evergreen play too yep. um, Various different ways to do that both in retargeting and in development of lookalike audiences in your Facebook Ads account yep. Yep. Um, Critical. What's yeah, it is thoughts?
1: it is critical. Yeah um, so It's something that's been nailed into most brands over the last 24 months or so since ios is owning your audience as much as possible um so yeah Clavio, perfect example of that is using your own database as much as possible when retargeting on facebook especially yeah like you said moving into the black friday period where there's there's a lot of people potentially on your list that uh you know may have Purchase once or twice in the past and they will come back during a period like Black Friday. So utilising them, um, you know, essentially a free audience and a little bit of ad spend there when you're actually retargeting them, but essentially, you know, very targeted audience. Um, So real powerful, especially if you have lots of different verticals as well, like bringing back particular, um, I guess, people that bought particular products or particular collections of products um, and then retargeting them during the Black Friday campaigns. So um, Klaviyo allows you to sort of segment by particular products or particular collections um, and then you're able to sort of retarget those. And and like you said, are also very good fundamental lookalikes that you could use during your build-out as well for Black Friday.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and I think this also ties into an interesting interesting conversation that we get asked by partner brands. And that's, um, you know, they might have 60,000 on their mailing list And maybe 20,000 of those have actually unsubscribed from their mailing list. Mm. And, you know, um, monitoring costs, they're looking at, oh, hey, should I just delete everyone that's unsubscribed? That's, you know, essentially suppressed. Mm. And we really lean towards saying, absolutely, do not do that. Mm. Um, And I think the key reason being is that you own that data, right? Mm. So what you then can do is you can actually still use that data for lookalike audiences as you push push that through. So that gives your audiences a bit more density. And data, yeah. so um, I think that's just an interesting, an interesting question we often get asked because you know obviously I mean Clavio just put their prices up a little bit. It is expensive, yeah. um, but there is huge merit in, in make, making sure that you're never removing suppressed emails because it's huge. There, there's other ways, providing you've got the right strategy and infrastructure to actually leverage those.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, hundred percent. You've already paid for them, so you've that, already paid yeah, for them. Yeah, you've paid for them. Yeah, and I think we spoke about it briefly on on the Black Friday podcast um, and the lead gen strategies that we put you know put in place leading up to a Black Friday strategy you, yeah. you've likely paid if you've implemented a strategy around lead gen leading up to your sales period you've paid for those leads so making sure you, you utilize both your historic leads that you've got on your database but also the stuff that you've built up in the or the people that you built up in the the recent pushes that you've um, you've had in, in your strategy um, yeah. leading up to sales
0: yeah. Yeah, totally. And that wraps up another great episode. It does, it does. It was great. Thanks, mate. Cheers, guys.